Hi everyone, it's Monique Mills here, the host of Unpolished MBA. And today I'm going to start off this episode with answering a question that came in. And for all of you that don't know this yet, I have a text line set up in order for those who have business questions to text in their question. But hold on. In order to get your text to come through, you have to enter in a valid email address. And from there, then you'll be able to opt in. Okay, so the first question that came in is around advisory boards and having advisors. And so at first, when this message came in, it was too broad. And I'm like, okay, listen, this question is too broad. There are too many variables to account for, but I'm going to do my best here to answer it really as holistically as I can. And I always tell people, it's like when you're asking questions to anybody, number one, make sure you word it correctly and have, a, have enough details in it in order for the person to provide you an answer of value. And so I always say garbage in, garbage out. It's the same thing. Like if you ask a really broad question, but you're looking for something very specific to be answered, you're not going to get it. So the question came in, it says, I'm curious, how many are too many advisors, coaches, mentors for a pre-seed to seed company? Okay, so pre-seed company and seed company are two different things. Advisors, coaches, and mentors are all different people. All right. And the term how many and too many, you know, that is subjective. I'm going to do my best to answer this question. Uh, unfortunately, when you do this, what I'm doing right now, you take a risk of them saying, oh, that's not really what I wanted to hear. The question really, listen, this was your question. So, <laughs> so I'm going to answer it the best way I can. And so I'm just going to start with a few key points here. And I just talked about one in specific. But a pre-seed and, and seed company are two different things. They're at different levels. They have a different amount of traction, a different amount of progress and people involved. Like the same, some people that would be interested in helping out a pre-seed company may not so much be interested in helping a seed company. Pre-seed companies are typically, and not always, uh, pre-revenue. And so there's a different type of skill set and advice needed than one that's at the seed stage. At the seed stage, they're, they're typically raising Series A and they have traction, they have revenue. They're, they're, really try, they're really trying to like ramp up the growth. And so that's a different type of advice from a different, sometimes a different person. And so the other thing about that is when you're raising Series A or you say you already have it, your advisors, I mean, a lot of times, will be people who have invested in your company. You really, when you take on funding, you really take on a board of directors, right? Because they each want a seat at the table to be able to guide decisions that happen for the company. And rightfully so, they put money into it. Now, the amount of advice and the frequency of their opinion really depends. It varies from person to person. But keep that in mind. Like if you have any outside advisors or mentors or things that you had from your pre-seed or even the idea stage, a lot of times they'll be flushed out because your investors are, yeah, I don't, I don't want, I really don't care about what they're saying. They don't have any money in this or, <laughs> or whatever. Like this is what we're doing. Because ultimately you end up with a board of directors that is 
pretty much your boss, okay? So you can't just kind of be willy-nilly with taking advice from random people who don't have any skin in the game with your company, especially when you have people who have invested millions or hundreds of thousands or whatever it is. So you have to be careful of that. Most importantly, I say this all the time, is that when you're a founder, you really have to be careful with taking advice from too many people. And I know that term too many is subjective, but I always say the number of people you even talk to about your business, seriously about your business, you should be able to count the number of people on one hand, which means that no more than five, right? But when it comes down to whose advice you take to heart and actually execute on, it should be one or two people. I mean, in reality, you ask the other three or four people just because you kind of wanted to see if there's some consensus among the advice that you're getting. But ultimately, there should be one to two people where you're like, okay, this is the person I trust and I respect their opinion. And I've seen the results of what they've done before. And they have the experience that I don't have. And so I really trust what they're saying. And you typically figure out those one or two people early on. And even once you move into the seed stage where you have a board of directors and all that stuff, and they kind of want you to go with their opinion, those one or two people that you've been talking to from the beginning, like you still talk to them, right? You still kind of bounce, bounce ideas off of them and say, hey, this is what's going on. They really become more of a confidant to the founders. Sometimes they'll put money in, sometimes not. But ultimately, if you're a series that you're rolling with the big guys, and at the pre-seed stage, you might have an angel, right? And they may have given 10, 20, I don't know, whatever, thousands of dollars from their pocket to help you. May, they may have or they may not have. Like, that's not a requirement in order to give you good advice to help you. But even still, that money is insignificant to the investors you brought in. And they really don't even want those folks on your uh, cap table. But they're there and maybe in the future, they'll try to buy them out, buy out those angels. And so that they feel like their voice doesn't need to be involved in the mix at all anymore anyways, because they have been bought out and they can move on and have earned a return on their investment, like go away, <laughs> basically, shoo. <laughs> so when you have too many people involved, it causes confusion. It makes it hard for you to make decisions. A lot of times advisors or whoever you have in a mix, coaches, mentors, all of that, they have conflicting opinions and that causes conflict for you. And you, it's confusing and it's frustrating when you have too many voices in your head. And also I, I say that founders, after a while, they don't even trust themselves. They're too busy listening to other people. You got to remember, you started this business for a reason. You have a certain expertise. You have a certain relationships in the market that you, is there's things that you for sure and those things that for sure, you'll actually start to doubt it because you're listening to all these other people. And that just cannot be because you have to have that intuition and that discernment as a founder to, to carry any company. Like as an entrepreneur, I don't even want to say as a founder, if you're a leader, like sure, you get wise counsel, but you also have to use your common sense, your discernment, and your judgment, I mean, that's what's unique to you and that's what's unique to the business, right? So it starts to get drowned out when you listen to too many people. And so you really want to make sure that you trust yourself first and foremost. But ultimately, 
who advises you and who you have to take advice from changes depending on the stage of the company. Pre-seed and seed are typically two different people, but you will have those confidants that you develop, those relationships you develop early on. And stick with that unless there's some major kind of fallout. Try to stick with that and, and do the best you can to maintain the relationships moving forward. Sometimes that conflict in your mind and that conflict with what your early advisors may be saying in comparison to your new advisors, your board of directors or investors or whatever, at the seed stage, it can cause some real conflict where there's a big blowout, there's disrespect, there's an argument. And so I'm really proud of this founder who sent in a question for thinking about this early. But I hope that the way I've answered it has provided some perspective so that you don't have 15 people you've run it around town trying to get meetings with or hop on Zooms with. That actually looks very unprofessional, by the way. The startup world is like, I always say, especially here in Atlanta, it's like one degree of separation. We all know each other and know somebody who knows that person, like all of us. And we sometimes it comes up like, okay, oh yeah. And we just happen to be in an event and 15 people are like, yeah, I met with them. I met with them. I met. And we're like, Oh, gosh. And they still haven't made any progress. <laughs> so it actually makes you look bad because we understand what's happening. You're running around getting advice from all these people that are considered to be the best at X, Y, and Z or the, the, the primo of getting advice from or potentially investing in your business as an angel. And so you're just kind of running around. These are all the players in the space. I need to talk to them. But no, you don't which what you need to do is focus on your business, right? And some of those key players, they're just trying to be nice. And in reality, you're wasting their time because you're just gathering data on what 15, 25 other people think. And I'm gonna tell you, your time is best spent gathering data from those potential target customers you're trying to go after, not from a bunch of advisors and stuff. The people who have your money, right? <laughs> I mean by that, in order for your business to survive and sustain, the people who have that are your customers. So if you're going to be running in circles, hopping on Zoom calls, running around town, trying to get meetings with people, I would hope that it's with customers, potential customers, so that you make sure you build the right product for the right people uh, and something that they will be willing to pay for. But that's more important than anything an advisor can say. There have been businesses that advisors may have said, oh, this is a great idea. I know I've experienced X, Y, and Z, or I know people who have experienced X, Y, and Z. And it gets the founders really excited about their idea and start really executing on something that has no market validation. No one else has said that, but because they really highly respect that advisor, that mentor, or whatever it is, they're off to the races. I mean, this person is like it in town. Why wouldn't I listen to them? They think my idea is great. And that can totally send you down a rabbit hole. Again, you're trusting somebody else's ideas and, and input and all that over yours, but also over the market. And I've seen that happen so many times and founders get out there and they've realized, oh, that was, maybe that was, the people he knew or she knew and their friends, but it's not a large enough target market for me to create this business and create the type of revenue 
that I, I, I would like to create, that experience they described was anecdotal. It wasn't something that I could build a unicorn business off of. And not to say the only good businesses are unicorns. No, I don't, I don't say that at all. Most businesses are not unicorns and the founders do very well, okay? Very well. Nothing that anyone is complaining about, okay? So I just want you all to know, be careful of who you put on these pedestals and their opinions, especially over your own discernment and judgment and that of the market you plan to serve. And so with that, I really hope I was able to answer the question a little bit. I probably gave too much info, but that's my two cents or my 15 cents. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next thing. Shout out to them people, 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 people. Wait a minute. I cannot forget to mention that TPM Focus is the biggest sponsor of the Unpolished MBA podcast. It's a strategy and execution consulting firm that helps startups with launching new innovations and established companies with launching in new markets. Read testimonials and connect at tpmfocus.com. Now, everyone keeps mixing up the name, so to clarify, it's TPM Focus, as in the Profit Matters Focus.com. Shout out to them people, people, All right, so since we're on the topic about advisors, there's a few things I want to share with you all that I think would be helpful. One of which is in a shared document for you all to access. And it's called the FAST Agreement. And the FAST Agreement was actually created by Founder Institute, which <laughs> they swear by it. And I'm actually associated with Founder Institute and have been for several years. I'm one of the mentors, used to be one of the directors that helped them set up the Atlanta chapter. And for those who don't know what Founder Institute is, Founder Institute is really an international company that was uh, founded in Silicon Valley, and they help you get direction for where your startup should be going, right? And they have, just like any other accelerator, you would think about the support system they have together, but there's a few key things. They have some really stellar mentors, and I'm not just saying that because it's me, but the network is insane. And it's because it expands internationally. So they have Founder Institute loc locations all throughout the world. I mean, everything from like Afghanistan to Angola to Armenia, of course, the regulars, Austin, Atlanta. They even have one in Bangladesh, Barcelona, Berlin. I mean, the list goes on and on. And their network is unmatched. You can find someone from any country, any state, any city, pretty much that's involved with or associated with Founder Institute, and they'd be willing to help. And it's one of those kind of networks that it's just an understanding that, yeah, we're, we want to see all of the people who are involved in this ecosystem of building the future. We all want to see them win. So if it's a matter of passing on someone's phone number, or doing an email introduction, whatever it is. It's fantastic. Oh, they even have one in Johannesburg, South Africa, Japan. I mean, I just get so excited about all the locations. Founder Institute is actually not free. It's one of those accelerators that you do have to pay for. 
And but it's not a lot. And it's and it the price of it depends on where you're located. So if you're in like a low cost country, I think Afghanistan was one of the ones when they launched there. I think it was like, I don't know, a hundred dollars to do the program. Where if you're like in let's say Austin, Texas, it might be twelve hundred to do the program. But there are details on the website and this is not a promo for them. I'm just explaining to you <laughs> where the fast agreement came from. And of course you're you'll hear lots of other places claim the fame to it, but I'm just telling you their perspective and and I'm okay with that. Either way, it's still going to be helpful to you. And I wanted to share that with you. And so I've uploaded it. But the FAST agreement basically stands for a founder advisor standard template. That's really it. That's what we call it. And that's the acronym for it. And it basically kind of really structures what the relationship is going to look like for a founder and someone who is going to be an official advisor. Everybody that you talk to or ask a question to, it's not your advisor. And I think a lot of people will use that term too loosely. Advisors really support you through the whole process as much as you and them agree to. The most reliable ones and the most consistent ones are typically ones that you have an official agreement with. Even if you're, let's say you are paying them or you are giving them equity or whatever it is, let's say they're a consultant to your business. But I think that we have to get out of that mindset, especially founders have to get out of that mindset that because you're building a business, everybody is supposed to help you and everyone, every service and everything that you need in order for advice or consulting or help should be free. That's unrealistic. If that was the case, everybody would be starting a business and being successful in doing this. And that's just not the way it is. There are a lot of free resources out there, but the majority of them that really get your business moving forward are, is not free. Like it's just, it's a fallacy to think that anyone can build a multi-million dollar business free. It, it just doesn't work that way. But there are pockets of free information. But if you're looking for consistency, excellence, top-notch network, expertise, all of that, you're going to have to pay for it in some way. I don't, I'm not, it may not be cash up front. It may be deferred compensation. It may be equity, but you're going to pay something. You just want to make sure that it's what it, it actually matches the value you get or more, right? Of course, it's all in your perception. But this fast, uh, fast agreement that I'm sharing with you talks about if there's any compensation and all that. And actually in this one, this is the standard one, okay? It says that there is no cash compensation. And as you go through, at the end of it, it talks about how, depending on how much of a role the advisor plays, they get a certain amount of equity in the company. The role that they play and also the stage that you're in that they come in at. So sometimes people bring on advisors in the growth stage later on, they're making money and all of that. Sometimes people bring in advisors at the startup stage or at the idea stage. And at each of those stages, it's more work than at others for the advisor. So the amount of equity that is expected or kind of typical, I'm not saying that these are standard figures you have to use, but this will give you an idea of what's happening now here. I think there's a lot of Folks that are new to this that don't realize how things have already been set up and are in place. And it's not that it can't be different from 
from the from this for you, but you need to at least know what what the standard is because when you approach people like, hey, help me with this, and there is no consideration of their time, their expertise, the amount of work they put in to know and do the things that they do, it's actually very disrespectful. And many advisors or people who are in the startup community, they will start ignoring you because it's rude. So I think we really need to get over that mindset that everything, everyone should be okay with helping you. That's number one, get over that. And number two, that those that help you should help you for free. I want you guys to take a look at this FAST agreement because it kind of gives you some of the things that should be discussed with someone you're calling your advisor. And they actually should have agreed to officially be called your advisor. Uh, A lot of startups will put people's names in their pitch decks and call them advisors and all of that. And it's actually not even true. I've had that happen to me (laughs) quite a few times. And hey, if someone reaches out to me and say, are you an advisor to this company? And if I'm not, I'm going to be honest with them. And just keep in mind, so is everyone else. I can say, oh, yeah, I met them at this accelerator, at this incubator. We talk every once in a while. Or they've emailed me a couple times, but I'm not an official advisor. I'll let people, I'll tell them the truth. And when that happens, it makes you look bad. So only call people advisors, especially in your pitch deck, that you officially have as an advisor. And this kind of agreement helps clarify that and expectations for each of you. So as I mentioned, it's actually a great idea to to have advisors, but let's, let's be clear about what the expectations are, because that would cut down on any potential misunderstandings or disputes down the road. Some folks will give you advice and see the business doing good and all that and want to claim some type of claim on the business. Say, hey, that was my idea. That was, we've seen things happen with Facebook, right? (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg did get sued and he had to pay money. But I mean, that's a different situation. But what I'm trying to say is people can say, I was the person who gave them this information or who did this or did that. and Do you have any way to prove otherwise? They may have emails to show that they advised you one way or another, and that's that's created a a multi-billion dollar company, and now you owe them. And so the thing is, you just don't want to be tied up in court, throwing around names and all of these things without just have your business affairs in order. If you're calling someone an advisor, make sure that they've agreed to be your advisor and put some structure around it. The structure helps protect both you and the advisor. And it also ensures that the relationship is productive and mutually beneficial. Again, getting out the mindset that everything is supposed to be one-sided because you're doing something to build a business. You're no longer a student, even with students. Like there's, there are free resources at colleges and in the community and all of that. But just because you're a student, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who will help. Oh, I want to help the poor college student. Well, let me tell you something. (laughs) Some of these college students have more money than me. So (laughs) assuming someone is poor because they're a college student is not true. But also that's not the kind of relationship you want to have with anyone that already kind of gives them it, it, it. It messes with the balance in the relationship, because number one, If you're a founder and you want to be called the CEO of a company, you don't want to create 
what I see happen often is kind of like a parent-child relationship. And so some founders will complain that advisors talk down to them or try to tell them what to do and things of that nature. And it does. I've seen it get pretty bad. But it's typically because the, the respect level isn't there. When the relationship first started, it started off with an imbalance, very similar to a boss, employee, a parent, child, a father, a daughter, a mother, a daughter, or son, or whatever it is. And it, it never works out well when it starts out with that much of an imbalance of superiority. And a lot of times the founders create it and don't realize it. And so I'm hoping that some of the things that I've shared in this episode will be helpful to you. One of the things that most folks are surprised about when they see this fast agreement and where, when we're discussing amount of equity given, and they're really surprised at the amount that folks give, but they really shouldn't be because it's not that much. So let's say you're a startup that's still in the idea phase and the advisor is just giving kind of just general advice and, but being consistent, right? The standard kind of advice that anyone can really expect in the early days of just having an idea and they may want to be involved for the long term. A lot of times founders will offer a quarter of a percent of equity. That's pretty much the standard. Usually for idea stage and even startup stage, it's a quarter of a percent of equity. But it doesn't manifest until later, okay? And so what I mean by that is there should be a vesting period involved where they earn it over time. So if at any point, they're not engaged and they're not answering your emails and they're not, they're just, their advice is crap. They don't earn the equity. And so you don't have to add them to your cap table and do all of those things in the future or don't worry about it. But it's very hard to have that kind of conversation if you haven't had an actual agreement and structure in place. So this sets the expectations and while a quarter of a percent may not seem like a lot. If you're a however many hundreds of million dollar business or billion dollar business, that's actually pretty good for giving advice in the early phases. That, that's, I mean, hey. And so it's something, it's valuable, especially if you're the type of founder that handles your business and is, and is going to see this business through for the next seven to 10 years. Now, most advisor shares don't make it all the way to the exit. And what I mean by that is, they're typically bought out or cashed out. They're either bought out by someone else who comes into the business and invests money in the business, or they sell their shares in a secondary market. And for whatever reason, they want to cash it out. And so in, in reality, it does end up being worth their time with the right founder. So keep in mind, you provide value. You are valuable. And actually, the business doesn't exist without you executing and having the idea and doing the things necessary. So you want to make sure that there is balance in that relationship. And this fast agreement, it helps define, define some things. It doesn't define everything. I would say another thing to consider is the cadence upon which you're going to be meeting with someone. You don't have to make it very cut and dry. Like every Tuesday at six, I want to talk. Like you don't have to do that. 
startup life is not like that anyways. But at some point, you want to have a cadence and you want to have some accountability for yourself, right? And so it's helpful to have someone that has this regular meeting with you to make sure you're hitting those goals to keep the business moving forward. And I think that's worthy of whatever the compensation agreement amount is. You just have to think that it is, okay? And so with that, I'm signing off. I'm Polishing the A. Looking forward to the next episode. Take care. You can grab the FAST agreement at tpmfocus.com slash FAST. Again, that's tpmfocus.com forward slash FAST. That's a wrap. That's the end. It's over. All right. If you have any questions for me that you'd like me to answer during the show, feel free to text me. Yes, text me at 470-400-8008. And that's 470-400-8008. And I'll answer it on the show.